0: Well, if you would, turn to Psalm 13. Um, Probably my favorite psalm in the Psalter. Um, Probably why is because there's been points in my life where I could relate. And maybe you are there as well, even this morning. (coughs) The psalmist is very vulnerable. He borders on blasphemy (laughs) as he goes to the Lord. Listen to what he says, starting in Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you continue to ignore me? How long will you pay no attention to me? How long must I worry and suffer in broad daylight? It's no longer at night. (laughs) It's during the day now. It's so overwhelmed. It's consuming every, every activity. How long will my enemy gloat over me? We don't know the circumstance. Typical of lament psalms, and this is called a lament, which is one crying out to God. Uh, Laments are usually vague. Uh, Some commentators state that's so we can easily relate. It was intentionally vague. Um, I wonder if the psalmist is so overwhelmed he doesn't even know how to verbalize it. (laughs) But I don't know. Uh, I'll let you decide. He says, Look at me, answer me, O Lord my God, revive me, or else I will die. So the situation is serious, right? Then my enemy will say, I have defeated him. Then my foe will rejoice because I am upended. But. I trust in your faithfulness. May I rejoice because of your deliverance. I will sing praise to the Lord when he vindicates me. Powerful psalm. And in your notes at the very overview here, I talked that again, Psalm 13 is a lament psalm. After I printed the notes, I thought, I really don't like the title, A God Who Earns Trust. Um, But it's more like a God who deserves our trust, our allegiance. But you you get the idea. I I almost titled it A God Who Hears, because that's what we see going on here. A lament psalm, as I mentioned there in your notes, is one in which it's a call for the removal of the suffering and a plea for the Lord to vindicate his reputation. Time and time again, when you have a lament psalm, and there are 60 some of these, almost 70 of them, the psalmist cries out to to the Lord and says, it's your reputation that's at stake. All right, that's key. We're going to talk about that. The elements of a lament psalm are always the same. They're in your notes. It's very typical. I said, first of all, there's an opening or address Like Psalm 22, my God, my God, you know, why have you forsaken me? Where are you in this? Which is a loaded statement, isn't it? And that's what the psalmist says at the very beginning here. How long have you forgotten? Then it moves to a description. And again, this is usually imprecise. We, We don't usually know the exact details for why the psalmist feels that he is going to die. All right. And then the third there in your notes is a call for help from God. It's the reason the psalmist wants God to act. Then there's a declaration of trust, which is always intriguing to me, all right? The psalmist comes down and says, "Yep, I can trust you," and then he breaks out in song. All right, well, It's good to see David Smithson here. Dave, you leave Thursday for Ukraine? All right, he said his bags are already packed, so there you are. So here he is. I'm impressed, All right? <laughs> Dave, we'll be praying for you. Good to see you this morning. Well, let's lay out the content of the psalm, and let's dissect this sucker, and look at this. The first of these is the address again, or the description, what you would see. And you notice the psalmist asks how long four times, doesn't he? Uh, I lay these out for you in your notes, but the first of these, how long will you ignore me? He does not think that God has amnesia, but rather, God is neglecting him. That's what he's referring to here. This is in your notes. The psalmist feels abandoned. Lord, you're not coming to my aid. I don't know about you, um, but I dare say, if you're human, there's been a point in life where... if you're honest, you probably asked God that very question, right? Where are you in this? This isn't this isn't what I wrote for the plan book, all right? I signed up for Christianity. I signed up to follow you, and this is not what I wanted. And here I am now, I'm following you, and you seem to have forgotten that I'm your child. How long? He asks the next question is, how long will you pay no attention? Which sounds a little bit like the first, but the idea here is you're withholding favor. You promised these things, and they're not here. The next question he asks there in the psalm is, how long must I worry and suffer? You get the idea. This, this The psalmist is tapped into all of his resources. Right? Whether it be his pocketbook, his friends, his mama, no one is seeming to resolve the issue for him. Right? Uh, And and that's there in your notes. The attempts to resolve are not working. And so, Lord, it's obvious I need your help. Where are you in this? And then the last one is, how long will my enemy gloat? And this is he comes back to this, if you'll notice, in verse 4 as well. Uh, this idea that my own undoing is making Joe Schmo over there very happy. And he's the evil guy. I'm the good guy, right? Well, why should he be gloating? Uh, and again, uh, I'm sure there's been some times in your life where you've felt that as well. You know, they're laughing at my demise. Um, the, the the four how longs, it's kind of like four punches being delivered, isn't it? The exasperation, the intensity of the psalmist—it's coming through. You know, how long? How long? How long? Are you shocked with the questions? I mean, this is scripture. All God, all scriptures, God breathing, not just the red letters, right? And David, David's asking, I mean, think of What are the implications of what he's asking? Right. I, I hate to sound stupid, but it's kind of like a little bit of self-pity, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure about self-pity. Um, I don't think he's wallowing, well.
1: Why worry? And yeah. Then, and then he ends with, my enemy's going to gloat, like... It doesn't matter at that point in time.
0: <laughs> if you're dead, it doesn't right. matter. Well, okay. All right. Yeah. Kyle.
1: I just wonder if it helps us in perspective on all this, because David wrote these psalms as my understanding, after everything happened, all the junk in his life was exposed for the world, or at that time, to see and he
0: wrote these psalms after all that stuff, right? Um, some of this is written in the midst of it. Uh, Psalm 51, for instance, he's committed the sin, you know, the, right the little thing with Bathsheba. Right. And, uh, you know. good
1: portion of this, I guess. Yeah. So he's
0: right yeah. in the middle of it right here. Yeah. Uh, let me let me ask you this, the question this way. What does the psalmist not say? This is important. What does he not say? And then then let's think about these how long. What does he not say? Yeah, Paul. He's not
1: uh, confronting his sin, which I don't is significant. So it's not, I
0: am regretful, and, and here's my consequence. Reminds me of the psalm we looked at last week, Psalm 7, where the psalmist is clear, he's blameless. In fact, he says, if I'm not... Do to me what should be done to my enemy, <laughs> right? Uh, again, I, I mentioned I met with a prominent pastor, and he was trying to say there's always sin on both sides. And no, that's not true. <coughs> I don't think so. Look at Psalm seven. So yeah, he's not stressing his sin. What else is he not saying? He's not
1: considering who's in charge.
0: He's not. He does consider who's in charge. What do you mean by that? I mean,
1: I mean like Job. You know, still questioning the Lord, and, say, uh, and then the Lord cut down on him and says, "Where were you when I placed the stars in the sky? Where were you when I created the seasons?"
0: Job, I think, is different than the psalmist. Why? I'm going to argue. No, it's okay. Because um Because there's something the psalmist doesn't do that Job did. Okay. I saw a hand. Yeah, Derek. He doesn't.
1: Question.
0: Okay, he does not question God's existence. That's key. Number one, he knows there's a God exists. That's not been debated. He's
1: not expressing any faith
0: in that point. Uh, uh, f- What do you mean by that one? He's
1: <laughs> asking how long will it be.
0: Okay. Oh. Uh, so
1: to me, I read it as there's not faith that he's maybe already working. Or God's already working.
0: Just okay, it. all right. So th- it
1: there. ties it. into you know, questioning God's
0: existence as well. Yes. So he, you're saying he does question. He does it recognize God exists, but he's just questioning how long it's going to be. Correct. in a sense okay, oh, okay. good, all right. What else, Chris?
1: Actually, I, I see it very differently. He's saying how long, which implies that there is an end, that God will do these things. He's not questioning whether or not he will do them. He's saying, when will you do these things? Why, why wait? What's the delay?
0: So in other words, he's not questioning whether God will do it. God will do it. He's, he's assuming,
1: I think, by these what things.
0: What else God is he assuming today, then? That he can do it. That he can do it. Did you catch this? What what this list? is key. He, what, what? 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 Chris and Lou are saying. The psalmist, unlike I think Job, this psalmist is—he does not question God's authority. That's vital in this. All right. His theology, I'm going to argue, is very good. It just doesn't compute. And that's the problem. Trust me. There's been many times when I've walked outside and walked around the backyard a few times saying, God, I know my theology. uh, It could use some better improvement, right, Dr. Bruce? You'll agree. But, I mean, I know enough theology to know I don't like this. (laughs) It it does not match. And I don't know what to do with this, God, because it is not computing. The, the psalmist, I, I'm going to argue, and I think you're right, Chris, it's not whether God will do it, it's when, right? Or or how. He's still, But he doesn't question God's authority or his ability, and that's vital. There is no question of God's ability or authority. Write that down because that is key here. We're going to come back to this. If you are not rooted in the the Word of God, I'm going to argue, if you're not in the the Word, when the storms come, you're not going to be asking, how long, O Lord? (laughs) You're going to ask, why am I even worshiping you? But what about consequences? Consequences. What, What do you mean by that? There's sin in your life.
1: And so there's consequences. And now you're suffering. So... You know, this is what you have to go through. And you have to be patient. Yep. You have to be refined.
0: This psalm, this psalm is not dealing with the, the a lament from sin. There are those. All right? What well, he's talking about, there are circumstances where he is innocent of that has affected his life. Like last week. Yeah. Seven. Similar to last week. Psalm 7. Yeah.
1: There's a call back then to temporal versus eternal view of justice.
0: I think for the New Testament believer that will be true. The temporal versus the eternal. Uh, this is a uh, David who is going to even appeals to God's covenant here in the psalm. We'll see this in a minute because he uses a special name of God to say, you have a covenant with your people and with the Davidic king and I'm asking you to honor it. We'll see that here in this psalm. Okay? But we also have a promise, don't we? Uh, and we'll get to that in a minute. But good. He does not, I will, again, uh, this is important. He does not question God's authority or his ability. Why? <laughs> We're going to see that as we come along. Uh, and I'll say it, and I, I'll say it tons as we uh, continue our studies together. Our theology cannot be based upon experience or feelings. Because if I have bad pizza the night before, who knows what I'll come up with, right? You you can't do it. And and I've counseled enough people to know when they don't have a foundation and the storms come, I mean, they're not asking how long, Lord, are you going to do this? They're saying, Lord, I I don't think there is a God. I, I don't believe this stuff anymore. I hooked my wagon to this, hitched my wagon to this sucker, and it's not going anywhere but downhill. Notice the call for help then in verse 3. Look at this. He says, Look at me. It's, it's kind of like, a, again, like a, a machine gun. He, said, he, he rattles off these imperatives as he says to the Lord, You know, look, answer, and revive. Look at me. And I love that he says, Oh Lord my God, and Mays in his commentary highlights this, it's in your notes there, the prayer is not uh, uh, interior reflection or meditative musing, it, it's not about him, the psalmist, but it's about God, it's a direct address to the Lord, right? Uh, so this is where I would argue it's not self-pity. He's not wallowing in his own mire. Oh, what could I do here? No. Lord, you're in charge and I want to know what you're going to do. Right? If we don't go to the Lord with tough questions, how are you going to get answers? Right? I don't know about you, I grew up in this, river, and, and I'm very thankful for my background, but it was ultra-fundamentalist, right? You know, uh, you you didn't... Smoke or date girls that do. You know, smoking didn't make you go to hell. It just made you smell like you'd been there. But anyway, uh, you get the idea, right? Okay, that was my background. No movies. No, you got the you got the picture. And and unfortunately, one of the downsides of that background, and there are some real positives, but one of the downsides is that you know you had to make sure everything seemed like it was all copacetic. Everything was great. You know, this Christian, you know, hi brother, so and so. Jesus loves you and so do I. Everything is wonderful. And you would never think to ask, you know, when is the Lord gonna act? Why doesn't He come? Why, why doesn't He do these things? Are you you know, because you have to have the spiritual life altogether. You would never ask these questions. But boy, read 2 Corinthians with Paul. I just spared even of life, he says. Where is the Lord? This is crazy. And, and the psalmist is saying this, oh Lord my God, the name bestows, as you see there in your notes from Mays, he says, the name bestows the possibility and the promise of prayer. Nothing in the troubles of life and the experience of the absence of God cancels the privilege of faith to speak directly to God in confidence of being heard. The psalmist never questions the ability of authority. Look, Lord. All right. Put your eyes on me. And I mentioned the phrase, give light to my eyes, is what's in the Hebrew there. And I mentioned this in your notes. The phrase speaks of a request for restoration of health and deliverance from grief. Job 17, uh, Job says, my eyes have grown dim with grief. So you get the idea that when he says, shine your eye on me, look on me, he's dealing not only with physical, I would argue, but emotional um, illness or, or uh, shortcomings. It's James, isn't it? <laughs> we looked at James 5, um, and I argued there that I think it was both a physical and an emotional um, illness, the guy's struggling with. He's just overcome with life. And that's where our psalmist is. And as we see there in your notes, the enemy, uh, we don't know who he is, but ultimately he's death. That's clear. Um, and they're going to defeat me and they're going re- to rejoice over it. Well, you get to 5a and you have the most unusual statement in some ways, it's so succinct But it's clear, and it's the first part of verse 5, which is unfortunate. Uh, This should be the end of the verse right there. But I trust in your faithfulness. Boom. There it is. How? How can he say that? Help me out. I'll give you a clue. When he says, O Lord my God, in verse 3... He's using the Lord's name that God gave his people when he made a covenant with them. Mm-hmm. He looks to back to this God who has sustained his people time and time again because of the covenant he's made. and He says, that's the God I'm leaning on, right? I don't know where, I know some of you, um, well, a couple of you I know are, just faced with some overwhelming issues right now, and just just cling to the past. <laughs> You've seen God's hand bring salvation. You've seen God's hand work here. You've seen God's work here. I think that's the beauty of testimonies, by the way. Uh, we don't do enough of them. <laughs> I think in church services we need to have people sharing. This is what God's done in my life. Right. Uh, Paul shared his testimony to our Sunday school class one Sunday. Uh, just an amazing story. What, how old were you when you came to know Christ, Paul? 36. 36. And Paul will tell you uh, he had the world by the tail and a, a few girls on the side. <laughs> and yet God just revolutionized his life. Right? Hearing this, it's just a reminder, yes, this is the God we serve. When you start watching the news, it's easy to forget that we have a God who sits on a throne, right? Who has the authority, who has the ability. Um, am I preaching? I'll stop. All right. But this is how he can, this is why he can say, I trust in your faithfulness. Because in the midst of my questions, I go, okay, let me rehearse. And and maybe what you need to do is open up your Bible and make a list today of how you've seen God's hand in the past. Right? Just just make a list. Put drop three or four things down. Right? My cousin who had a brain tumor. An 18-hour eight, operation, yet she survived. Boom. Put that in. Financially, we were so strapped, we didn't know what was in it's going <laughs> to I had a a bill to pay and I we got a gift that covered that. Boom. Put it in there. Right? A marriage was on the rocks, it's now saved, and uh, God intervened, boom, put it in there. Um, he put so-and-so on my life, boom, write that in there. Make a list, and and when you are struggling, open up your Bible and say, No, Lord, you're the covenantal God. You've made some promises to me, and I can cling to those. By the way, he's going to come to that then here in, in 5b. He says, may I rejoice because of your deliverance. You're going, wow. I mean, he's as sure, it's as sure as if it's done, right? In fact, in the Hebrew, the tense of the verb is indicating it has been completed. The circumstances haven't changed. All right? We've only gone through five verses. <laughs> it hasn't changed. But his attitude has. He's got a reality check. And then he says in verse 6 I will sing praises to the Lord who vindicates. In your notes, I mentioned David's past experience creates hope, doesn't it? I know this covenantal God, and I know he's going to provide. And then, secondly, I would argue David's understanding of God brings peace. And trust. <clears throat> the term that David uses here is the loyal love of, of God's faithfulness. This is in your notes there uh, by Ross, who I've told you is love his commentary. The, this loyal love is the Lord's faithful covenant for his people. In a world that is filled with oppression and opposition, there is no better source of confidence. In fact, there is no other source of confidence. Right? His expression of confidence uses the word trust emphasizing that he has a faith that is holding fast to God securely. You say, well'm I'm not of the line of Judah All right I'm not an Israelite. you know are those promises for the New Testament saint Turn to Romans eight. you know the text. We'll start in in verse twenty six, Romans eight twenty six. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, or weakness. For we do not know how we should pray, but this. I mean, have you been there? That's really the psalmist. He's so he he can't spell it out exactly what's going on. He knows it's a problem, but the Spirit who intercedes in our behalf. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes on behalf of the saints according to God's will. Isn't that fantastic? you got an arsenal that uh, no fort in the land could hold. And we know all things work together for good. For those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Now, careful! This isn't a spiritual band-aid. You got to read the next verse because there, uh, those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's the good. He didn't say the things that you're going through, being diagnosed with uh, blood cancer or whatever the issue is, is good. But in the end, re- result is that you become like Christ, and that's good. And did you catch all that in Romans eight? This loving God is not going to forsake you. That's why later in, in Romans 11, Paul says, Who has known the mind of the Lord? This is not how I would put this out, right? Questions or comments on this? This is key. Yeah, Richard. picture
1: of a transition of God's, of God's eminence to his, to his um, what's the other word? and you, from the, the, the close picture, the, like the relationship and marriage, a fight, to, oh, we're married. This isn't going to be forever. It's, the, the fight isn't forever. Do
0: hmm. uh, you have fights with Susan? Yeah. <laughs> No. are Job's friends. Yeah. Any other comments here? Uh, again, the circumstance has not changed for David in this psalm, right? Uh, Joe Schmo didn't get struck by lightning in the middle of writing this sucker. Yeah.
1: We have to talk with our kids quite a bit and and ourselves to say, okay, well this situation seems very persuasive and, and Satan is being very loud and his arguments are are compelling. But what is true? Mm-hmm. And we have to often go back and say, okay, well this seems like this and you feel like this, but what's true? And then you can just see their you can see them kind of sit back, sometimes they roll their eyes. But then they'll say, Okay. Well then they start listing off the promises of God that the attributes of God Hmm. you know, we talked about Deuteronomy 7-9 he's the faithful um, God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations
0: Hmm.
1: and so we have to do that and usually that helps because they have to rehearse that and say that loud but unless you know that, like you said unless you know the whole counsel of God, unless you know his promises then it's very relative to the situation Mm -hmm. but but how how can paul have joy while he's in jail because certain Mm -hmm. things don't change
0: well and how can the psalmist conclude hey i'm gonna break out in song (laughs) the guy's you know one minute he's about ready to slit his throat next time he's going hey this is fantastic because it's god who's acting right Well, let me give you some things to run with today uh, in your notes there, the last page, some application. The first of these is life circumstances cannot, and I've just said it earlier, but they cannot dictate our theology. And and Marcus, this is what you're saying as well. Uh, I've got several texts in there. Uh, If you want to pick one of those, and uh, let's just have some guys read these to us. Uh, Psalm 33. Verses 20 through 22. Someone want to read that for us? So.
1: wait in the hope of the Lord, he is our help and our shield. Oh, 3.2. In him the hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy, his holy name. May our unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in
0: you. Good. Our hope, stated twice in that text. Our hope and our shield. Good. Psalm 115. Someone want to read this for us? Yes, Daryl.
1: Um, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their deliverer and protector. O family of Aaron, trust Mm -hmm. in the Lord. He is their deliverer and protector. You loyal followers of the Lord trust in the Lord. He is their deliverer and protector. The Lord takes notice of us. He will bless. He will bless the family of Israel. He will bless the family of Aaron. He will bless his loyal followers, both young and old.
0: Bless. Bless his followers. Protector, deliver. Repeated several times. Proverbs 3, a familiar text, 5 through 8? Yes.
1: Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Hear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and
0: nourishment to your bones. Hmm. Uh, do not be wise in your own eyes, right? That's what the, one of the things the psalmist has said. You know, I've, I've tried all this, and it's not working. Um, I find it interesting that he says he's worrying Right? I, I must worry and suffer uh, because uh, what does the New Testament tell us? Cast all your cares upon him. Don't worry. Right? Be happy. Rest in the Lord. Good. All right. Uh, Isaiah 12, 2 through 5. Yes.
1: Look, God is my deliverer. I will trust in him and not fear. For the Lord gives me strength and protects me. He has become my deliverer. Joyful, Joyfully, you will draw water from the spring of deliverance. At that time you will say, praise the Lord, ask Him for help, publicize His mighty acts among the nations, make it known that He is unique. Sing to the Lord, for He has done magnificent things. Let this be known throughout the earth.
0: Hmm. These are some great promises, Uh, and you may want to take one of these texts and just run with it this week, maybe commit it to memory, saying, Lord, uh, Proverbs 3 would be a great one to start with, just, Lord... uh, need to be reminded of this in the midst of of life. You can always tell when you're you're meeting a believer who is well grounded and walking with God because they're they're even joyful in the midst of suffering. And when they can say I don't understand why the Lord allows us but I'm so grateful because I've learned wow. That's maturity. Right? That's maturity. You say you know, I don't know why she left me, but I I'm so thankful that in the midst of this it's drawn me closer to God. That's an amazing statement. Life circumstances cannot dictate our theology. Um, and and let's be honest, we may never know the whys, the side of eternity. Right? Losing a job? I can testify to that one. I'm still asking why. That was 10 years ago. Or why why did that whole mess happen? You know. Secondly, I'm starting to preach again. I'll move along. All right. That's too <laughs> convicting. Anyways, let's move on. A proper perspective of God brings hope despite the present circumstance. And that's what we're seeing here, right? The psalmist. Um, there, There's still hope. Uh, when there's a a proper perspective. Turn to Psalm 59, and let me read this to you. This is a great passage of Scripture. I think it's neglected. (laughs) You don't hear people quote from Psalm uh, 59 much, but it's a great text. Uh, Let's see, let me get it. 16 and 17. He, the psalmist writes, "As for me, I will sing about your strength. I will praise your loyal love." There it is again. That's that's a, a loaded Hebrew term. There have been doctoral dissertations written on chesed, the, its heaviness, this this awesomeness of love, that this covenantal love that's there Um, in the morning for you are my refuge and my place of shelter when I face trouble you are the source of strength I will sing praises to you for God is my refuge the God who loves me by the way this is a lament song but once again the psalmist comes to the end and says yeah you're my refuge and I, 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 it doesn't answer all the questions. It doesn't resolve the circumstances, but I have you to cling to, and I am so grateful, because where else would I go, right? And then the last one here, as we come to the end, the last point here for the notes, is God's silence does not mean His lack of presence or absence of love. Then this is vital. Don't you wonder how many times Joseph cried out to God how long as he was imprisoned in Egypt (laughs) or Moses in the wanderings? The Israelites sure did. In fact, they stepped over and even questioned God's ability and that becomes a problem, right? Um, Lack of faith in God. Psalm 31. Let me just share this one with you. Verses twenty. Uh, 1 through 24, the psalmist makes this declaration in Psalm 31, The Lord deserves praise, for He demonstrated His amazing faithfulness to me when I was besieged by enemies. I jumped to conclusions and said, I am cut off from your presence. (laughs) Sound familiar? Uh, I've lost your favor almost. And that's so easy. I don't know how many times I've met with people who are struggling uh, with circumstances and saying, "You know, am I really God's child? Uh, you know, does He does? Have I done something?" And he deserves praise, he says, But you heard my plea for mercy when I cried out to you. Love the Lord, all you faithful followers of his. The Lord protects those who have integrity, but he pays back in full those who act arrogantly. Be strong and confident. And Rock is saying, yes, there is time when there's sin, and that needs to be confessed. Yes, there are some consequences of sin. We're not saying that. But we're talking about one who has bent their knee before the Lord and said, please forgive me, I cling to you. Right? That's the promise. Because we have a God who can and does. And so, like the psalmist states in Psalm 13, I sing praises to you, O Lord, my God. Questions or comments? Great psalm. I think the, the Lord is the ultimate
1: tough lover.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, D.A. Carson has written a little book called The Difficult Doctrine and the Love of God. Uh, I think that's the title. Is that right, David? I think it is. That little sucker is worth having in your library. It, it's it's only a few pages, but it takes forever to read because it's so deep. The Difficult Doctrine of the Love of God. Yeah. That's not exactly what we're dealing with here but uh, in that book, but he, it is talking about God's awesome love for us. Well, I hope it's an encouragement to you. I've been praying all week as we, we looked at this psalm because uh, I know some of you are, are some deep waters right now. Just just encourage you, claim some of these promises. Look back to what God has done, right? Don't forget those as you go forward, all right? Any question? Any further questions, comments, cries of outrage? What a blessing, right, to get together on a Tuesday morning and not have to vote and uh, stay, <laughs> stay here. Not that we shouldn't, but to, to spend some time around God's Word and keeping a right perspective. Yes, Bill? One
1: final time I've been convicted, bad things happen or we'll re-encounter questions. I be why? What are you trying to do here? Mm-hmm. Why, but
0: what? Mm -hmm. Because we have the who. Right? Father, we just thank you for your love for us, your grace. Thank you for these men. And I know some, you know, um, life's going great. Yay for them. (laughs) I continue to go before them. For some in this room, these words are somewhat difficult to hear. They resonate more with verses 1 and 2 than verses 5 and 6 of this psalm. And I pray that today as they reflect on you, the covenantal God who promises to never leave us nor forsake us, the one who promises to give us every good gift, uh, who promises to grant us wisdom, Lord, that they would just run to you and bask in your love for them. Father, thank you. Thank you that we're yours. Go before us today, uh, and we'll just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs)